Please note that this podcast is rated 18 plus as it contains content of a sexually explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Professional Empathy Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Butterworth, empathy speaker and educator, university lecturer and all-round empathy enthusiast trying to figure out what empathy is, why it matters and how to communicate with greater empathy. And I do that by interviewing people from all sorts of professions and experiences. Today, we're talking to Tyler Matthews about empathy and sex work. So the value of listening and communicating and being present as a male escort. Now, I teach empathy training all over the world, and I have an online training course called Empathy Fundamentals, How to Practice Empathy Without Burning Out. If you would like to access this course, I have a special offer for my podcast listeners. Type in the word podcast, and you'll get 50% off. So that's almost $100 off the Empathy Fundamentals, How to Practice Empathy Without Burning Out. You'll find that on empathyfirst.com.au. So my name's Leanne Butterworth. This is the Professional Empathy Podcast. Stick with us today as we talk to Tyler Matthews about empathy and sex work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Empathy Podcast. Now, to say that I'm looking forward to this episode is a little bit of an understatement because I have so many questions and everybody that I've talked to has so many questions. So today we are talking about empathy and sex work with Tyler Matthews. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, (laughs) you're welcome. So Tyler, I found you online because I thought, oh, there's a topic, there's a topic. And so I thought, I wonder if male sex workers in Brisbane exist. And they do in all a variety of shapes and sizes and personas and profiles. But I found you and something stood out about your profile, about how you connect with people, how you talk with people. So I reached out to you. So if you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why I'm talking to you today about empathy and sex work. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been a, what I like to call a professional companion for about four and a half years now. And most people would know that as... Um, an escort or um, for for guys it's like a gigolo or something but but basically um, what I do is provide time to people to explore their sexuality and well sometimes it's not even about that sometimes sometimes it's just about hanging out but um, but yeah, so I've been doing that for for four and a half years. I started as a as a male form model and got into content creation and started to do um, porn and we got quite um, quite a lot of recognition in the Australian porn industry over 2018 and 2019 and ultimately throughout the COVID lockdowns I've made a decision over the last year and a bit to to retire out of porn and just and just focus on escorting and and providing those services to to my clients yeah so is this your full-time gig now um it's not my full-time gig i know a lot i know a few guys that that do do it full-time i have a day job and um i do that and then the escorting stuff for me is something that i'm very passionate about that i do um in my my free time outside of that so you could say it's it's a side hustle if you will (laughs) yeah nice so not to ask a dumb question but are there qualifications that you need in order to become an escort like are there courses in safety or are there course like does anything exist in this space to make it in any way regulated do you need a certificate are there like licenses you have to apply for what exists in this space that's I guess quality control so there's a couple of different things all of the states sort of have different legislation about what you can and can't do um and it's very confusing but that really really that is the only level of of control it's 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 largely an unregulated industry so you don't okay. um there, there aren't courses that you can go and do there's no work experience program that you, <laughs> that you can have um, specifically for male workers, it's a lot harder 
Um, for female workers, they may go and spend time at a parlour or a brothel, some people call it, which they, and they can then be shown the ropes by the other people that are in, that are in that establishment. Um, but largely speaking, for men, there isn't. It's really just a it's just to feel your way out and try and work out the landscape. As long as you understand what laws there are in the in the jurisdiction that you're operating in. Um, for instance, Melbourne requires all of its workers to be registered. So you need to have something called an SWN when you when you uh, work in Melbourne um, to be able to advertise on any platforms. Um, and if you get caught or, um, operating without an SWN, you can be fined for that. So, so um, sorry, Melbourne, Victoria. So Victoria try and regulate um, like that in New South Wales is largely decriminalised, and, and you can you can do what you like. So, so there is some rules and guidelines, but there's definitely no quality assurance board. <laughs> so there's no professional association. There's no internships available. So who's no, your no. who are your clients then? So do you have a whole range of clients? Do you have a typical client? Is it true to say that your clients are women? Yeah, my clients are um, women. I do see couples on occasion, um, but it's it's very. If I do see couples, it's very um, focused on the female partner in that couple. Um, so it's I'm usually booked by a husband who either likes watching his wife have sex with other men, or I'm booked by a husband who wants to provide his wife with an experience where she's being, you know, being fucked by two men. Yeah. But predominantly, the the services that I provide are, are to women. Do you have a typical client, like a demographic? If you were to do a persona map of your ideal client, if like is it is it that standard? Do you have a typical type of client that comes and comes and seeks you out? No, no. I get I get asked this quite a lot, and there isn't one standard that I could um, that I could point my finger at. There's definitely you know, there's there's definitely an age bracket, um, but I don't believe that that is uh, indicative of what clients are out there. I think that it's indicative of my age and the way that it, and the way that I'm accessible to to those clients. So, for instance, somebody in their seventies or sixties may not want to see me because I I appear too young for them, and somebody in their twenties may not want to see me because I appear too old for them but that doesn't mean that there's clients that aren't out there that are in those you know in those age brackets um but i'm my general appeal is to clients from sort of 30 to to 60 years old um but there isn't a there isn't a standard walk of life you know, there isn't a particular type of person or a particular job they have or a particular relationship yep. status that they have. It's all always different. So the question then is, so if the, the women coming or seeking you out are all different ages and professions and types of lifestyles, all that sort of stuff, is there anything that they have in common, like that they're seeking you out for? Is it just sex or is it more? Because in my mind... There's more to it, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can probably count the it, the bookings that I've had where it's just been about sex on one hand. Yeah. So yeah, wow. generally, generally what a client or what one of my clients, and I won't say this for all male sex workers, but my clients want connection and um, that can take the form of physical intimacy. Uh, it can take the form of a conversation. It can take the form of just simply talking about what they're doing and where they're at in their life. But but they're all forms of connection, um, and and that that for me is very common throughout throughout all of the clients yeah so if everybody's looking for connection then how do you how do you provide that in a in a time frame like how do you what's your process for building connection with somebody you've potentially never met I don't have a I don't have a workflow diagram it's not it's not um it's, it's not I find it not very it's not a clinical process because 
everybody's really different. So what I do when I go into a situation is I go in, I go into any booking or any situation with somebody that I don't know uh, in a very open way and, and I don't go in with any expectation. And what I do then is I let the natural flow of the interaction with that person go where it wants to. And I might try and guide it to be more comfortable or guide it to reassure somebody that, you know, what they're thinking is okay. Because in that situation, you you generally find that people are quite nervous. It's a situation where gen- generally um, anxiety comes into play because, you know, you know why I'm there and I know why I'm there, but you might not have done this before and how do we get from sitting across from each other on the lounge to over there with our clothes off, right? And and generally people that have never done it before get very anxious about how that's going to go. So basically it, de- it really depends on the amount of time I've got. I don't like to do book first-time bookings for less than two hours because I find that two hours is a good medium for a, an interaction to very naturally go from meeting someone to having sex with someone, right? Um, I find an hour is very rushed. It can be done, but sometimes it feels disconnected and it sometimes it feels a little bit awkward and you've got to reassure a lot and make sure that that person's comfortable and that, they, you know, that they're, they're in the right frame of mind. Otherwise, they're just not going to have a good experience. So, yeah, so I go into those situations open, I go into those situations without any expectation and I just listen and and feed off their energy and and what they're doing and try and just coach them to where ultimately I think they want to be. So then you've said that uh, with a booking that's, let's say, two hours, you spend the first little while just learning and listening and figuring out what it is that the person needs, so whether they need relaxation or whether they need to feel comfortable or what it is that they're actually looking for. How do you do that? Because a lot of people really struggle with listening to somebody else and listening to the emotions that potentially aren't said. So how? what's your technique? Is it something you were naturally born with? Is it something that you've had to practice? I was in a lot of long-term relationships in my 20s and ultimately into my 30s. And I got out of a relationship and I spent like a year single and I met somebody who um, introduced me to polyamory and 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 basically from that I was like oh okay I can go and I can be in a relationship with somebody but I can also go and date as many people as I like and I was always terrible absolutely terrible at at dating I would get super anxious and um, and ultimately like I, I would text for ages and I wouldn't be able to convert it into a into a meet and then when I finally did turn it into a meet it'd be awkward and disjointed and it wouldn't go where I wanted it to go and they'd and then the other person would pick up on that and we'd never see each other again and so what I did um, when I when I went through this process was I just I just started meeting people and just throwing myself in the deep end and just yeah sink or swim yep and i churned through people for as much as that sounds horrible but you know we all had a good time it was we were all consenting adults but i just went on lots of dates and and figured out what worked and what didn't and you know and the thing I, i think the biggest thing that i learned from that period of my life was that if you go into a situation with an outcome in mind or you go into a situation pretending to be something that you're not, people will know that and people will, whether they know it intrinsically, like they go, you're, you know, that, like, or they just feel off about it, people yeah. will go, oh, there's something wrong here and I don't enjoy this person's energy. But if you go in just being yourself and with no agenda to, to ultimately, understand who a person is and allow somebody to understand who you are then nine times out of ten 
you click with people yeah. because you're not there's no bullshit there it's just yeah. oh this is who you are and by doing that by coming into a situation open like that naturally somebody wants to reciprocate that if i come into a situation with you and i'm open and honest and and engaging with you naturally we follow people we you know, we mirror the people that we're talking to so if i come into a situation like that then you are more inclined to do that as well and then you know once once you've got that that's when all the magic happens that's when you really do connect with somebody is you know because because your ego is not there anymore you're just two people having a conversation yeah what are the benefits that you found for your clients like they come and they seek you out and they're looking for connection what is it that they get from you that they couldn't get from let's say tinder <laughs> um wow there's so much <laughs> i'm not a big fan of tinder but only because well, i hear all is. the horror stories <laughs> first of all it's about agency so it's a it's about somebody taking control of the situation that they're in they you know if i'm in a, if i'm if you're my client you're in control of what's going on we're in a we're in a contract you know a a non-written contract but we're in a contract where i am here to to do what to provide you with an experience that you want to experience and i expect nothing from you but for you to pay me for my time yeah. when you're when you meet somebody on on tinder there is this unwritten social contract which is i'm going to do something for you and you're going to do something for me you know i'm going to come i'm going to come into this situation loaded with an expectation of whatever it is you know whether it's you know we're going to have an ongoing relationship or you know i'm going to buy you dinner and then you're going to fuck me at the end of the night so there is this there is this thing that happens there which you know so many guys get wrong where you where they come like i was talking about before you come preloaded and then they get disappointed when it doesn't end up the way that they want it to yeah i speak to so many women who are just done with tinder because they don't feel as though they can go to dinner with a guy and then say no i didn't click with you i don't want you to enter my body yeah. um so you know it's having that agency to say i want an experience whether it be you know i want an experience to be romantic i want to be taken out to dinner and i want someone to charm me and i want ultimately for us to end up back in a room and have really hot passionate sex and i don't want that to happen i don't want to have to go through six guys from tinder to have that happen at the last at, you know or finally find somebody that's that's willing to do that for me you know that's yeah. that's just not something that that i find women want to do so that so then ultimately what they do is that they stay at home and they don't date because dating shit then you might have people who you know have very active sex lives with their partners but they have you know they have a higher libido than than their partner so their partner might their you know their significant other may allow them to go and see somebody but they don't but they don't want to see somebody who ultimately will become emotionally attached so the other thing that's there is that there is a nice defined boundary about my relationship with a client and i have you know strict rules about if you start off as a client of mine you know no matter how good the relationship's going and how you know and how amazing we might click there is no um, transfer from that client provider relationship into you know a personal life a dating type thing yeah, gotcha. um, so so there is so there's that boundary of you know i can safely have a relationship which is transactional with this person and they're not going to want anything more than what i want to give them then there's situations where um people might not be in positions where they can date 
you know, I've got a number of disabled clients who are um, either unable to go and date or they would be putting themselves in situations where they would be at risk and but they are still humans that have sexual needs you know and and having a sexual outlet is a basic human right in my opinion yeah so by the sound of it people are looking for two things they're looking for that connection as well as that safety and that ability i guess to relax in that safety because i mean i'm a chick and i know that when i feel safe that's when i relax and when i relax i have a good time so yep. that seems like a very healthy way to take care of those needs you said before that it gives people agency and sometimes um like on Tinder, somebody won't click. Do you ever have it where people don't click with you and they go, oh, I'm not feeling it? Or is that just <laughs> out of the realm of possibility? <laughs> oh, look, um, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. And that's generally because I might not, nece- they might not necessarily be someone that I would, you know, to, Seal is saying is might, they might not be somebody that I would go and have a beer with, but I believe that if you're good at relating to people and you're good at you're good at creating connection, then you can find something to connect with most people on. There's been a few situations where I, that I've been in where where I've been around people that haven't been very nice, and I've ended a booking or I've decided okay. that I won't see that person again. Yeah. They're in the in the minority, um, particularly with women. I hear lots of stories about guys doing that with you know some of my colleagues who are female sex workers, and um, and that seems more common. Uh, but um, definitely with females, I find them to generally be quite respectful and and genuine people. Do you vet people before you take them on as clients? Yeah, I generally will have a little conversation with them beforehand. And you can usually tell pretty fast whether somebody is a nice person or is serious about booking your service or somebody that's just, you know, a shit person or that's wasting your time. You know, it yeah. comes across in it comes across in the language that someone uses in text and and whether they're treating you like a person or a commodity. Yeah. Um, generally generally people that I that I don't want to deal with will treat you like a you know like a hamburger that they can just pop down to the shop and and order um, as opposed to somebody that is a you know, is a professional person. You know, you wouldn't mm. rock up. You know, you you wouldn't message your doctor at three o'clock in the morning and say, "Hi, you a veil," you know, or you know, or I, so, or are you? Yeah, sup? You know, what you what? Wyd? I want to come now. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so that's what I sort of liken it to. It's um, people some people have this view that it's a professional service that's not as valuable as definitely what I would think it is. Yeah. And I think that commodification goes both ways as well. I mean, you need empathy from your clients as well, but it's a way to, and like you said, it's the listening and the building trust that means that you can actually have a genuine relationship with somebody within that time frame, so that they're not feeling as though they're just cash to you. It's not transactional. So that to me feels like that empathy has to go both ways. Like everybody's a human being with feelings and um, trust issues and needs and wants and deserves respect. And that has to go both ways. Well, well, it has to, you know, if I don't, if I don't feel it's, it's very obvious to somebody whether I'm turned on or not. You know, for mm-hmm. for a female, it's a little bit it, it's a little bit easier to hide. But it, but if I am in a situation that I don't feel comfortable in, then you know your 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 body is programmed to react in a certain way. So to to get an erection and perform 
sexually, you need to be relaxed and comfortable, just like a woman needs to be relaxed and comfortable to be able to orgasm. And, yeah. you know, generally you find that the women that can't orgasm easily, it's because they are not relaxed and not comfortable or they think, you know, they're overthinking. And yeah, overthinking. So, yeah, overthinking. So, um, so those that plays a part as well. It has to go both ways because it's a shared experience. It's not just, you know, it's not a massage. You're not rocking up and laying, you know, and laying on a table and just having something done to you. Yeah. I'm making that face all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) So then do you, if we talk, so we've talked a bit about empathy from you as an escort for your clients and making them feel comfortable and safe and building connection and having trust because that's the that's the best way for everybody for her anyway to have a good time and it's making it genuine and it's listening and seeing that person as a human being with needs and wants um, who deserves respect if we flip that around for a second if we go empathy for you as an escort what you've just said makes it sound like then well, if you're relaxed and you're having a good time and you've built trust as well, then you can perform sexually if that's what the booking requires. Do you put pressure on yourself? Like where does your own uh, mental health and self-care come into this as a, I don't know, a professional development <laughs> strategy? Um. Okay, so I will. I'll only see a certain number of clients in a in a period of time. You know, it helps that I that I have other things on my plate that that I need to do um, because so so I can I can stretch that time out. But I find that if you that burnout is a is a real thing. If you if you're trying to see you know three patients in a day. Sorry, three. Did you say patience? Yeah, patience. <laughs> if you're trying to see three clients it's in a day. I need a, I need a fuck. My doctor prescribed. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. If you're yes. trying to see three clients. <laughs> so if you're trying to see three clients in a day, you're going to... Yeah, you're gonna bur- you're gonna burn yourself out. You're going to, you know, you're going to get to the, that third one, and you're not going to be able to perform, or you're going to be so tired that you're not going to be giving that person the best experience. And it's not necessarily a cheap thing to to buy our time. We you know we charge hundreds of dollars an hour. So if I'm charging you $400 an hour. You would expect that I would be on my A game while I'm there for the hour that you're paying me and yeah. not yawning or, you know, or looking at you holding my eyelids open or... Yeah. Um, or thinking yeah, about what or, you're having for dinner or... Yep. Yeah. So so I limit the amount. I'm, I'm what you would call a low-volume provider. So I, okay. I'm, you know... Um, there might be periods where I'm touring where I might see more people because just for the simple fact that I am away and that might be the only thing that I'm focusing on during that period of time. So I can manage my ups and downs, so to speak, <laughs> with um, <laughs> with the, with my energy levels. Uh, but also, yeah. But ultimately, it's it's about just making sure that you're not. Um, you're not over allocating yourself and there's yeah. also you also take on a lot of emotional energy when um, when you see somebody when you're when you're lying naked with someone after they've just had an orgasm they're very vulnerable and open and that is often a time when people tend to open up and when they open up whatever whatever's been on their mind or they've been dealing with all just spills out and they're they're lying there in bed and they're open and they're raw and they've just told you this really intimate thing that nobody else has 
you know, that nobody else knows about them or that, you know, they, they're too afraid to tell anybody else. And you've got to take that and scoop it up and do something with it so that they don't feel as though what they've just done is the wrong thing. They don't feel like, you know, sharing that with you is, is something that they shouldn't do or they don't feel guilty about that. So you've got to take that and you've got to do something with it and then, Unfortunately, the way that for me, the way that that energy works is that that experience and that that feeling goes in my backpack and I take it home with me and it sits in me for a little while until I can get until I can process that and move it on. So how do um, you do that? How do you make somebody okay in those moments, especially if you're sitting at, let's say, an hour and 55 going they're there looking at your watch like how do you <laughs> how do you not make it that mm-hmm, okay, okay, that's nice like when you're sitting oh. at let's say an hour and 55 like how do well, you, you, you make get, somebody feel okay in that time you get very you get very good at time management you know and you've, <laughs> you you i always try and leave leave about 10 or 15 minutes at the end of a at the end of a booking just to make sure that um that we've got time to wrap up and and I think that you know, there's this idea of um, aftercare in the BDSM community, which is you know, after you tie someone up and do some do things to them, you you need to reassure them that they're okay and provide them and provide them with care. But I I think that aftercare comes into sexual experiences as well. After you have sex with somebody, like I was saying before, you're open and you're raw and you're and you're lying there. That's that's not the end of sex. When you come and you roll over, that's that's not where it's finished. That's not where it finishes. There is other things to do after that. You know, there is there is the that come down um, dissipation of energy where where you reassure the, that person that they're that they're okay and that you know and that what what happened was it was a good thing. So. So you leave that time there, but I mean, ultimately, how do you how do you deal with it? It depends on the content and okay. and and what that person's just told you. You know, I've had more times than I can count people break down in tears afterwards because of whatever reason that might be. You know, it might be that the fact that they that it's been something that they've been wanting to do for so long and they've been sexually unfulfilled for so long and 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 just having that release just lets all of that emotion out and you know it might be um might be that they've realized that you know that something that they've really needed and that they've not had so it, yeah. depending on what that depending on what that content is depends on my reaction and and it is a lot of you know just just being there and being open yeah. and present and validating that all of that, all of those emotions and, and feelings are, are real, valid, and that they're okay to be felt. By the sound of it, then, your own self-care is a big part of you being able to show up as your best self for your clients. Yep. I'll go after, after a booking like that, like I was saying before, I'll come home and I'll just I'll just sit for a little minute and I'll be quiet and you know I might have a glass of wine and just decompress and I you know I tend to visualize it as you know once I've 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 got this thing and I and I think about it and I just put it all you know in a little box and I put it up on the shelf and and you know that's that's that that's that's that thing dealt with so, yeah. so yeah, and then you remember those things going back in to to those bookings and subsequent bookings, so that you can be aware of them and provide and and help them either navigate around those things or help them explore those things more to to help them on their journey. Because by the sound of it, like you said, if you are not doing the decompressing, if you are constantly giving emotionally without taking the self care piece by the sound of it, burnout would be very common. And is it also common in the industry to then go towards like negative coping mechanisms as opposed to positive coping mechanisms? Um, 
I don't think that it's one way or the other. Um, I definitely okay. know um, there's not a lot of guys, so it's very difficult for me to to draw parallels um, in the industry um, surrounding surrounding the men in it because mm-hmm. um, most of the guys that I know, I know a couple of guys from Sydney, I know a couple of guys from Brisbane and, and a few from, from Melbourne. And it tends to be for men, at least in this industry, you've got to have a good head on your shoulders and you've got to be fit and healthy and, you know, it's, it's, it sort of comes with that persona of a male escort. You know, you've got to. So, I've heard a couple of stories um, about guys that have that aren't in the industry anymore that surrounding drug use and that kind of thing. And okay. and um, and I do hear stories of of less than reputable providers in um, particularly males in the industry, which annoys me quite a lot. But generally, for guys, I would say that the coping mechanisms are more positive. You can definitely see a split in female workers um one way or the other there's a lot of women providers out there that are very you know very fitness conscious and and have very a very positive outlook that sex work you know enables them to do all of these wonderful things um in their lives but then you also see you know instances where people get really burnt out and and rely on drugs and alcohol and that kind of thing so it's going to be that kind of thing in any industry I would say. So when you talk about I mean you said you know a few guys in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane where do you like is there a club do you all talk about mental health (laughs) is this a discussion that you all have or is it all very siloed very competitive like do you have a meeting and a secret handshake what is it that like what's that (laughs) secret handshake (laughs) is that a community that exists or is it very competitive? I don't find it we don't have a club. We very we there's a there's a few there's a few guys that I will talk to, but we don't um we don't talk regularly. Guys generally I find, you know, there there is no at least I'm not in, I'm not a part of any male sex worker forum where I know that there are a lot of female sex worker forums and uh, Facebook groups and that kind of thing, um, safety groups, but generally for for guys, I'm not aware of any that, um, but maybe I just haven't been invited to them. So, <laughs> but yeah, look, um, for for all intents and purposes, no, I we operate very independently. I don't find it um, to be competitive because what you're going to book me for isn't what you're going to book somebody else for. So, I have a I have a specific look, feel, and style of service that I provide, and if you want that, then I'm the, I'm the guy that you would get that from. If you want something different, you probably wouldn't book me. You know, so I'm I generally while while I can put a you know while I can put a suit on and, and rock it with the with the best of them, um, I am you know very tattooed and and very alternative. Um, in my aesthetic so you tend to find that that specifically in women with women clients they're looking for something specific it was interesting i I had a booking in in perth recently and i was talking to to my client about the other sex workers in in perth and why she had decided to choose me and we went through the list of of guys that were available on on the site and there were very specific things that she was looking for and and they you know the the guys on the site are all gorgeous guys i'm sure that they're all lovely but there were very specific attributes that i had that there were you know only maybe one or two other guys in that list will have had. And so those physical attributes they look they find and then they'll read your blurb and they'll like your blurb more than the more than somebody else's or they'll like the look of your website more than somebody else's website. So I don't find it to be like competitive between the providers because you can't really influence 
um, the customers more than just putting yourself out there and letting them make the choice. Is there a way for, I mean, you said that everybody's so different and by the sound of it and the way that you're talking, it sounds like what you're doing should be the standard, should be, I mean, that's what we would expect is the the getting to know you and the trust and the safety and the connection and the aftercare and all that sort of stuff. But in my mind, I don't think that's what I would always find. Is there a way for for women who, let's say they're listening to this today and going, hmm, that sounds like something healthy that I could take part in. Is there a way for women to look at profiles? Is there a, a way for them to read a profile to go, okay, that guy's legit, he gets it, and that guy doesn't? Like is there anything that women can do to, I guess, protect themselves and vet you guys a little bit? Like what is it that they could be looking for? There's definitely things that you should do there's so there's a good list of things that you shouldn't do as well um but finding somebody on an advertising site doesn't necessarily mean that they are a good provider so you can you know it costs it only costs 130 odd dollars to put an ad up on a site that um that allows people to contact you. So so I would look at things like um, making sure that they've got professional photos because they've already, they're obviously going to be taking themselves seriously if they've got professional photos and not photos that they've taken on their iPhone in the mirror. Uh, things like their testimonials. So generally, if you have a good experience with a client uh, particularly with uh, female clients, they will be most happy to log on, log back onto the website where they found you and leave a testimonial about their experience with you. Um, it can be a bit hit and miss because if you're clever, you can jump around the country and dodgy up some reviews for yourself. But if you're, you know, if you've ever looked for, a, I don't know, to buy a washing machine online and looked at views on on a washing machine, you go through all of the stars and you're like, well, that person's just, you know, <laughs> that person's not real. That that looks like a real review. That doesn't look like a real review. But mostly, you can see that testimonials, there needs to be a few of them. They need to be written in different styles um, and everybody will like something different about you and talk about something different about you. So there's that. Um, obviously, if a provider's got their own website, um, they've taken the time and effort and energy to pay for the website and also to build the website or pay someone to build the website. Um, that's also a really good indicator that that they're a good operator. Um, but the biggest thing that you can do is have a chat to the person before you book them. Um, some people won't, you know, people that are just out there to get your money and not to provide you with a good service won't engage in conversation with you. Um, a lot of my clients, I offer a um, a social uh, booking so it's uh it's a reduced rate from my hourly rate and i meet you at a bar or a cafe of your choosing or i can choose if you so desire and we just sit down and we have a conversation and it's just like a first date but there's no you know we're not alone and we're not in a bedroom and you can talk to me and figure out whether I am somebody that you'd be interested in doing something more with you know so I actually have one of those tonight I'm going out and meeting a client for the first time we'll meet each other at a bar we'll have a, a conversation and a drink and then from there she'll decide whether she wants to book me further or or not and I think that yeah. that is a very very low risk way of making sure that you know, you're you're meeting somebody who will meet your requirements as a provider and yeah not be not be dodgy or dangerous especially if you're wanting the safety and connection piece then that's a really good way to to do it do you ever have clients who book you but don't want sex at all like that's just not even something that they're interested in yeah a lot it's, it's really? very interesting have clients that book me just to 
go to dinner and have conversation. I have clients that book me to just to talk, um, to be flirted with. Uh, you know, I had, had a booking earlier this week and she's a lovely client and she just misses being desired and being wanted, um, yeah. has no desire to, you know, to, to do anything else at this stage, um, yeah. but just, wants to feel like you know she wants to she wants to have that chemistry and those butterflies and and you know and what what you feel when you're really into someone and you're at a bar and they put their hand on your leg and it's like oh yes that's you know it's delightful yeah um yeah yeah so uh, there is a there is a lot of a lot of clients that like that clients that have booked me just to hug them for an hour because they want to feel yeah, they they want to feel a warm body up against this. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. It's, lo- it's really lovely. Uh, it's not always about penetrative sex. Yeah. Do you find those ones easier or harder, or just no different? They're different. I find them more. I probably find them harder to start off with because you've got to figure out where your boundaries are, um, mm. and it's not as it's not as cut and dry because there'll be things that there'll be there'll be hard hard areas where that person doesn't want you to go so like most bookings i think when you sit down and you have that those conversations about what is on the table and what isn't on the table it's you know you you're setting boundaries and and limits with with the person that, you, that you're talking to and with those non-sexual bookings, it's you know you could you could upset somebody by putting your hand you know on their leg or or on the back of their neck, but they might want you to you know they, they might want you to just sit across the table and make Google eyes at them. So yeah, so it's yeah. it's it, it's interesting because there's always I suppose there's always a reason why that person is not comfortable with going and have and with going all the way i suppose so for yeah. lack of a better term so it's about feeling out where that is and why that is and what they're comfortable with yeah and also for you is it drawing boundaries as to what you share in return yeah i mean it's it's very easy in those situations for it to bleed over into something that i would classify as a different service mm. so you know so there is a um a standard coffee date with me would be a standard coffee date and we would drink coffee and we would talk and we might flirt a little bit, but I'm definitely probably like, I'm not going to really try and kiss you at the end of it, you know, or I'm not yeah. try- going to try and, you know, um, grab your leg or do something like that because it is just a coffee date to meet each other. So if you, you tend to, to have to set those boundaries because if somebody books that and then wants and then clicks with you and then wants to go a little bit further, well, that becomes something else. That becomes some yeah. somewhere in between a coffee date and a boyfriend experience. Yeah. And so you've got to you've got to map that out, and you might go with it for for that first encounter, but then have them want to do that again, and you've got to set that boundary at the mm. at the rebooking stage to say, hey, well, you know, we did this last time. That was that was sort of in between this and this. So we're going to change that rate to be reflective yeah. of the service. Yeah. Do you also find that you're playing a persona? So you you've said that this isn't your full-time gig. You have two different lives. Do you find then that if you're playing a persona, then it it almost stops you from because in my mind you would want to talk as your as yourself in those dates as opposed to as your persona, or are they very blended, or is it not as Clark Kent Superman as in in my mind? <laughs> I find for me that I'm selling I'm selling my time. I'm not selling a persona. I'm not selling, okay. you know, Tyler Matthews is the same for all intensive purposes as my, you know, as my civilian persona. We like the same thing. things. 
yeah, yeah, it's the same as Clark Kent. We like the same things. We eat the same food. We we do the we do the same extracurricular activities. If um, Tyler doesn't like you, then Clark's probably not going to like you. Um, so that goes back to what I was talking about, sort of at the start, where I can only connect if I'm authentic. I can yeah. only, you know, I I can only be me. And yeah. and as soon as I try and be something else, well, you know, it's like, it, you know, it's sort of like eating chicken at a steakhouse. It's it's not going to be as good. It's yeah. <laughs> it's just not right. So, yeah. and women can so, yeah, sense so that I, as well. We can sense oh, yeah, inauthenticity yeah. very quickly. And so I go. So I go into all of those. I do have things that are off the table. So okay. there's certain there's certain things about me that are not there's certain things about Clark that are not parts of of Tyler's life yeah so okay. things like things like where I work or what my real name is or you know things like that um, those those things I have boundaries around to protect them those yeah. things are important to me they're important to my life so it's really important to me that they, that those things remain off the table when yeah. I'm being Tyler. Everything else is is all me. Does Clark have boundaries as well? Like what's it like in Clark's world? Where Do people know? Is there a stigma? Is it something that you go, hey, I'm a muggle and a sex worker. Like I'm Clark Kent and Superman. Or does, mm. does Clark Kent have strict boundaries because of whatever reason? Is there stigma around that? There is. Um, you get away with a lot because uh, with with a lot because you're a male. There is definitely a yeah, gotcha. Um, there's def- definitely more stigma, unfortunately, around being a female sex worker than there is being a male sex worker. Um, yep. And that's very sim. That's very similar to, you know, it's okay to be a slut if you're a guy, but it's not okay to be a slut if you're a girl. It's it's one of those real issues that that's got to that ultimately needs to be done away with, but there is that that stigma around it. Um, but then, you know, to bring it back into my world, there is a stigma around that that for, for guys in certain circles that I wouldn't go and broadcast it. So, for instance, the you know, I wouldn't go and, and broadcast that to the place that I work outside my muggle my muggle job um there's certain parts of my family that i that i wouldn't go and tell um but that being said my mum knows what i do and my dad knows what i do and you know all my immediate family do and and they all accept me for it because i'm really the type of person that is you either accept me for it or you can fuck off so (laughs) it's just um but yeah, so so there be. is <laughs> as it should be. Yes, yeah. So then, I always ask people, what is what is the thing that keeps you going? Like, what is your favorite part of this of Superman's life, of Tyler's life? It's providing something that somebody needs, something that somebody is that I believe someone's entitled to, that is particularly difficult for them to get for whatever reason. And I say that because, you know, there isn't a lot of providers out there and there is even less providers that um, that may be able to provide, you know, a, a connected or holistic experience for their clients. Um, and I believe that it's it's really important that people have access to that either through their personal lives or being able to procure it. Um, I think that, like I said before, it's a basic human right to have a sexual outlet and not just a sexual outlet with yourself, you know, a sexual outlet with with another human being. Um, so, you know, one of, one of the things that I love about the job is the people that I meet and, and, how much having an experience with me actually enriches their lives. 
and hearing about that, hear, reading the testimonials and, and hearing them, you know, get really excited when I'm coming back to their city because because they know that they'll they'll get to see me again they'll get to have a, they'll get to have that experience it's it's absolutely beautiful yeah um so that would be that's that's that would be one of the things that that I love about it I keep my price at an accessible level because of that now I know guys in in Melbourne that charge five thousand dollars a night for an over for an overnight and I I charge about three thousand dollars less than that and one of the reasons that I do that is because of accessibility because it makes it more available for people that might not necessarily have the you know the resources to go out and do that and I know you know I have a I have clients that that save for months so that they can have an experience with me. And I have, I I have, I have people that try and get, you know, disabled clients that, that, that try and get money for the services out of, out of NDIS and, and they might get part of that and then have to go and pay for the rest themselves. So that means that they need to, they need to scrimp and save and, and bring that all together so that, yeah, so that having accessibility to that is really important to me. Something that yeah. that I that, that I enjoy being able to provide. Thank you so much That's for okay. today. Um, I learned so much, and I I definitely think you've brought that sense of empathy for humans, for other humans, and for yourself in such a beautiful way that to me then goes well. Why would there be shame? Why would there be stigma? Why would there be judgment? Because there doesn't seem to be a downside when you talk about safety, connection, um, anti-loneliness, to human connection, to physical touch, to sexuality. None of that deserves the shame and stigma that we put on it. Um, Do you have any advice for, because we talked about advice for women who are thinking of talking to you or potentially engaging an escort. Do you have any advice for other gentlemen escorts in the field? My advice for other guys is don't fuck up a client's first time because as soon as you do it once, they're out of the marketplace and gotcha. they're most likely not coming back. You know, they, these, these clients um stress and and worry and and think about doing something and when they finally build up the courage to do it if you provide them with a shitty service they're going to do the same thing that they do with tinder and put it away and not and not revisit it and that's really really sad i've been i've been fortunate enough to be at um, to be a couple of clients you know last ditch second attempts and I've been able to sort of rekindle the their want to go and see other providers as well. But you know, yeah. my my advice would be, yeah, to to really treat those those first time clients with um, with the respect that they deserve because it is something that people really struggle with taking that first step. Yeah. Do you have any advice for just men in general? Oh look, there's something in that for that's something in that oh, for 100%. all all men. Just don't don't yeah don't go fucking it up because you're not just fucking it up for you. You're fucking it up for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And on that lovely note, um, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I am going to put your links, your Superman links, are going to be everywhere. Um, Tyler, you delightful empathetic caring human being thank you so much for your time today thanks for having tyler it's been great if people want to find you where do they where do they find you uh you can find me at uh, tylermatthews.com.au that's matthews with one t um or you can find me on instagram under tyler matthews brisbane excellent Thank you so much. You might be getting some calls after this, I have a feeling. (laughs) Um, Delightful. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. (laughs) Tell them Leanne sent you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tell me the empathy lady said. Anyway, 
Thank you so much. You enjoy the rest of your afternoon and I will talk to you again soon, maybe. I don't right. know. We'll, we might not. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. Thanks. What an excellent discussion that was. Now, my name's Leanne Butterworth. That was the Professional Empathy Podcast. If you'd like to find me, I'm at www.empathyfirst.com.au and that's where you'll find all of our show notes and empathy training and empathy quizzes and oh, all sorts of things. You'll find them there. If you would like to find out when our next episode drops, you can hit the subscribe button. But it's been a pleasure talking with Tyler today. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>